it's an announcement from McConnell that the Republican Party is now the Trump Party. The tax bill, Roy Moore, uh, they want to win. They want to win at any cost. He doesn't buy the authenticity of these accusations. What the hell? I, I don't know why the president, uh, you know, is always punching down. We don't need a liberal person in there, a Democrat. He totally denies it. He says it didn't happen. And, you know, you have to listen to him also. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. My name is Jamel Bowie. I'm Slate's chief political correspondent and your host for today's episode. In less than one week, on December 12th, Alabama voters will go to the polls to choose between Republican Roy Moore and Democrat Doug Jones. But this isn't an ordinary election. Just a month ago, multiple women alleged that Moore had pursued them as teenagers while he was in his 30s. One accuser said she was 14 years old when Moore tried to molest her. In the wake of these allegations, Republicans quickly distanced themselves, with Majority Leader Mitch McConnell taking the side of the women. The Republican National Committee also took a stand, ending support for Moore's campaign. But as the story of Moore's predatory behavior receded from the national news, he had bounced back in the polls, and Republicans began to make peace with the fact that he was the party's nominee. Last weekend, President Trump made a public endorsement. Soon after, Mitch McConnell changed his tune, deferring to the voters of Alabama rather than making a judgment. And the RNC resumed its support for more. These allegations, and everything around them, has made the Alabama race more competitive than it had any right to be, with Jones within striking distance of victory. But Alabama is a deeply conservative state, and Moore still has the advantage. For a deeper look at the race, we're going to speak with Jeff Skelly of the Center for Politics at the University of Virginia. And that will come after these messages. Joining us to talk about the Alabama special election, it's Jeff Skelly, a political analyst at the Center for Politics at the University of Virginia. Hi, Jeff. Welcome to Trumpcast. Hey, thanks for having me. So this special election is on Tuesday in just a couple days. First, I want to ask you, what does that landscape look like? Um, Prior to, I guess, the past two weeks, the race looked very close, neck and neck. Jones was up. Moore was up. Has that changed at all? Is this an any anyone could win? Anyone could win landscape, or does Moore retain a real advantage here? Yeah. So uh, prior to the allegations coming out about Moore sexually harassing or you know having romantic pursuits of underage girls, he was ahead pretty routinely in all the polls. And then after that happened, uh, which or after those stories first came out, which I think was November ninth, um, there was a, a noticeable downtick. Uh, for more in terms of margin, uh, Jones led in a few polls. It seems as if Moore has recovered to some extent after Thanksgiving. However, I would say that you know would point out that there are a couple polls that have still shown Jones ahead. And so I think the way to look at it is Moore was ahead. Then all these allegations came out. Moore fell behind, and then may now be back in a slight lead. However, the lead is small enough that. I don't think you can count out Jones by any measure. And currently, you know, in the last eight polls that have come out, Moore is ahead by two and a half points, which is well within possible error range uh, for a Senate race, especially a special election taking place two weeks before Christmas in a state that is pretty rarely polled by major pollsters. Uh, so there are, there's just a lot of questions about what the electorate's going to look like and all sorts of just uncertainties. So, you know, we, we rate the race as a toss-up. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's Alabama. It's a pretty Republican state. 
So I, I guess Moore has some, some baseline advantages there, but Jones has to feel good about the fact that he's got a, a realistic shot of winning. I mean, let's get into a little bit just the difficulties of trying to even make projections in this state. It is just very unusual, I think, for pollsters, right? Because because it's Alabama, because it's so consistently Republican, there just doesn't seem to be that much sort of past experience modeling a competitive election in the state. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think a lot of that comes from the fact that, you know, in most Alabama elections in recent times, Republicans have usually won, you know, at least 60% of the vote, not in every case, but in most cases. And so realistically, no one's really looking at it during presidential contests. Uh, you know, in 2014, for instance, uh, Jeff Sessions, when he was running for re-election to the U.S. Senate, was didn't, didn't have a Democratic opponent. Uh, so obviously there wasn't any reason to pull that race. Uh, you know, in 2016, Richard Shelby won re-election, but uh, the presidential race was getting a lot of focus, of course, and it was a blowout. Uh, Trump won the state by about 28 points. So it's just not a place that has been uh, on the radar of pollsters. And so at the end of the day, very few sort of well-known pollsters have even taken a look at Alabama. Uh, the Washington Post did, and CBS News uh, with YouGov has also polled, and they found conflicting results. Uh, so, you know, with Washington Post found Jones slightly ahead, and and CBS found more slightly ahead. And that sort of tells the story of the polls there. I mean, it seems to all depend um, on who you think is going to be voting in the election. And if if the electorate on Tuesday looks a lot like a traditional um, or has the same composition as sort of a usual statewide election in Alabama, then Moore probably has the advantage. But if it doesn't, things look better for Jones. And it seems like the big wild card here is – how many Republicans will sit this one out? How many voters will just decide not to participate because they don't want to vote for Democrat, but they don't want to vote for more either? And I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that. Is that, I mean, A, am I, am I on the right target there? Is that sort of the major question? And uh, is there anything happening that could tip the scales either way? Sure. I think you're, you're very much correct. Uh, you know, there's there have been responses and polls suggesting that at least a small percentage of voters say they're going to cast a write-in ballot. Uh, how many of those actually do that or don't show up at all or end up casting a ballot for more because they're Republican leaners and at the end of the day, they're going to vote for the Republican? Those are big questions. And obviously in Alabama, I think an important thing that you have to talk about is the fact that it is one of the most racially polarized states in terms of voting. So at the end of the day, most white voters tend to vote Republican. Most black voters tend to vote Democratic. And because the state is you know, more white than black, that usually ends up being pretty good for Republicans. Uh, you know, for instance, we don't have a 2016 exit poll, but in 2012, the exit poll in Alabama suggested that Barack Obama won 15% of the white vote. In 2008, the exit poll suggested he won 10%. And in 2004, John Kerry uh, got 19% in the exit poll among white voters. So Democratic candidates haven't done very well among white voters, which is sort of the only way they can have a shot at winning. And I think the expectation is that African-American voters you know, might make up about a quarter of the electorate. If that number is higher, that's probably very good for Jones. Um, if it's lower, that creates a problem. But for Jones, really, I think at the end of the day, the thing that's probably going to make or break him is his ability to make inroads with among white voters. And based on a sort of a rough back of the napkin calculation, I'd say he has to win about a third to have a shot. 
Uh, and, you know, that may be really difficult to pull off. However, Roy Moore is a, well, even prior to the, the allegations, uh, was, was a pretty weak candidate based on his historical electoral record. Uh, in 2012, for instance, he only won by a little less than four percentage points in the chief justice race, even though Mitt Romney was, was running about nine points ahead of him and, and easily winning Alabama. So, you know, Moore was already weak before these allegations came out. He's become more toxic now. Uh, clearly in the primary, uh, it was evident that there were some Republicans who backed Luther Strange, the appointed incumbent that Moore beat in the primary runoff for the Republican nomination. Some of those Strange backers didn't like Moore and were already considering voting for an alternative. Uh, so, I mean, there is definitely an opportunity for Jones, but I think we can really lay out based on the you know the polarized nature of racial voting in in Alabama, you know it's it is a tough road for a Democrat, but you know Jones actually might have a chance here. So one thing I think is sort of interesting about all of this is just the role that Donald Trump has played in it. He endorsed Luther Strange during the Republican primary. Strange obviously lost. And Trump sort of stood behind Moore as the Republican nominee. The allegations come out. The president's silent for some time before now coming out with sort of a very full-throated endorsement of Roy Moore um, saying that they need him to have his vote for tax reform. They need him because he's tough on crime, uh, so on and so forth. And there's some reporting to suggest that Trump himself does not believe the allegations against Moore, and so that is one reason why he's so now he's now so unambiguously supportive of uh, the Republican candidate. But my question is: Do you think that may influence any sort of on the fence Republican voters in the state because Alabama was such a strong Trump state because he returns to it again and again um, uh, during his presidency? I think he held a rally there earlier in the year. Trump seems to have a real connection with the state. Um, does that endorsement, even if the overall kind of political atmosphere in the country is pretty down on Trump, does that endorsement, that full-throated endorsement, give more a boost in um, Alabama? You know, it's difficult to answer that question with any certainty, but I do think that you're, it can only help more, I think, in Alabama, considering the fact that there is evidence in the polls that there are Republicans who are either considering a write-in choice or not showing up or what have you. To have Trump, the president, endorse more, make a pitch for him in a state where Trump's approval rating is above 50 percent in Alabama, I think that uh, could be helpful to more at the margins. Uh, now, obviously, you know, a counterpoint to this is that Trump's endorsement of Luther Strange didn't really seem to have any effect right. on the GOP primary runoff uh, earlier in the, in the year. But at the same time, this is a general election now. It's going to be a wider electorate. A, number, you know, a lot of voters will not have cast ballots in the primary on either side. And, you know, sort of those less, I guess, less uh, engaged but still intending to vote Republican-leaning voters may take you know, the news from Trump, you know, his endorsement as, well, maybe it's acceptable to vote for more. So, you know, it's, it's hard to say for sure, but I think it can't hurt more that the president's come out on his side in Alabama. And so with that in mind, you know, if the race really is as close as it seems, you know, every little bit at the margins might help more get over the top. 
Now, I don't know if you've written any about kind of local political conditions in Alabama outside of kind of national stuff, but it is you know, it is the case that the state has sort of been roiled by corruption scandals over the past year or so. Do, do you think that may play any role in sort of in the fact that Jones, even before these scandals, Jones is performing better than you would expect a Democrat to do? Do you think that setting more and everything aside, there might be a little political exhaustion with Republicans in the state, and that is opening up a path where one didn't exist before? Yes, I think between Moore's weakness, even prior to the allegations, and the fact that Republican politics in the state of Alabama has been sort of roiled or beat up by uh, the, the resignation of former Governor Robert Bentley, uh, and the controversy with Luther Strange as to how he even got the appointment for that Senate seat after Jeff Sessions left to join Donald Trump's cabinet. You know, I think it's possible uh, that this could all help Jones, who sort of has a sort of a, a generic Democrat, but generic in the sense that there's not really a lot that damages him. He doesn't have personal scandals. He doesn't have you know anything like that that could make him look problematic uh, outside of his policy viewpoints, which of course could be problematic in a state like Alabama. Uh, his abortion view, the fact that he's pro-choice, has been brought up a number of times, uh, considering Alabama is a conservative state. And there is, and I have seen someone make a case, or actually a number of people make a case, of comparing Jones's approach in this campaign to John Bell Edwards, who won the uh, 2015. A governor's race in Louisiana, right. a Democrat and deeply Republican Louisiana, defeated a tarnished Republican opponent, uh, then Senator David Vitter, to win that race, and he won it going away. Uh, and there's been some comparison made between how Jones is approaching this race as sort of saying, look, I'm the clean guy. I can work with people on both sides. I'm not going to embarrass the state. I'm not going to create havoc in Washington, and I'm not going to create havoc at home. You know, I'm not going to be, you know, in the news every single day for something I've said. And, you know, there may be something to that. I think there's an argument that it helped helped Edwards uh, in Louisiana. And so, you know, it, it does seem like some of the, the pitches that Jones has been making to voters and his ads uh, do sort of go along with that same message. So one thing I, I wanted to touch on before we wrap up is um, one reason why this race in Alabama is competitive, is that like a lot of the South, um, the state has become just much more suburban than it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And there's a larger population of suburbanites. And this is a category of voter that is becoming less Republican over time. In the Virginia elections, the suburbs were a major part of Ralph Northam's uh, win. You know this. In the last year's presidential election, Hillary Clinton did pretty well in, in suburbs around the country. And so looking at – Alabama is very idiosyncratic and, and there's a lot happening that's very specific to Alabama. But it seems to me that the extent to which the suburban turn this, – this changing partisanship of the suburbs is a national phenomena and maybe helping Jones in Alabama might say something about political conditions next year in the midterm elections, um, that if the politics are changing enough to not immediately doom a Democrat, a pro-choice Democrat, if that in Alabama, um, then perhaps the landscape looks maybe a little 
better than one may think at first glance for Democrats. I think you're exactly right that there, you know, there is a shift that's gone on nationally. Now it's it's more pronounced, perhaps in places that have a larger population of college-educated voters, you know, such as the suburbs of Washington D.C. or Richmond, which we saw in the Virginia gubernatorial election. Uh, but even beyond that, I mean, if you look at the two-party vote in 2012 versus 2016 in Alabama, there are only four places where Trump did worse than Mitt Romney. And all of those are are, are among the bigger population counties in the state, uh, most notably perhaps Shelby County, which is the biggest suburban county of the city of Birmingham. Birmingham itself is in Jefferson County, uh, which is another county where one of those four as well. And so I think that along with most notably Madison County in the northern part of the state, which is where Huntsville, Alabama is, one of the bigger cities in the state, those were three of the four counties that Trump did worse than Romney in the two-party vote. And I think that sort of goes along with uh, what we're talking about with like the suburbs or urban and suburban areas moving away from the Republican Party. Uh, it's even true in the South uh, that, that those major areas are are shifting toward Democrats. And you can see if you do some basic correlations between, for instance, the, the, the non-Hispanic white vote and whether, uh, whether the population has a college degree or not, there's you know, I think evidence that Trump's performance relative to Romney's, uh, you know, is a pretty strong correlation. If you just look at the white voters, the larger the population of white voters that didn't have a college degree, the greater the positive change was for for Trump relative to Romney. Uh, the correlation was about 0.7, which is pretty high correlation. Now, correlation isn't causation, but we have plenty of reason to see some <laughs> causation or to believe that there is some causation there based on Trump's overall performance. Right. Uh, in the 2016 presidential election. So I do think you are seeing improvement for Trump and for Republicans in places with, uh, particularly white voters with, without a college degree, but then conversely, areas where there are larger percentages of, of white voters with college degrees, uh, stagnation or even uh, worse performance. And you, know, you see the same thing in Alabama. To some extent. I have been speaking to Jeff Skelly. He's a political analyst at the Center for Politics at the University of Virginia and associate editor of Larry Sabato's Crystal Ball. Thank you, Jeff, so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. That's the show for today. If you aren't following Trumpcast on Twitter, you must. We're on there as at Real Trumpcast. That's at Real Trumpcast. We share links and stories and more ways for you to share the show with your friends and family. So come check us out. Trumpcast is produced by Jason DeLeon with an assist from AC Valdez. I'm Jamal Bowie, and thank you for listening. 